and there's two worldview worksheets over there. One is last week's, and one is this week's. So are we ready? Yes. We're good. Okay. So I want to do a little cleanup from last week first before we get into the studies tonight. A couple of good questions that came up last week. We had a discussion when we discussed the seven, ma- what are considered the seven major worldviews in the world. There was a, a discussion about how do you define the difference between panentheism and pantheism? Because that's two different worldviews. So I did a little bit of a look into this week. And it's very hard to differentiate between the two of them because they are very similar. So let me just read you, and hopefully this will explain it a little bit deeper. Uh, Panentheism is a belief in the, the doctrine that there is a divine element in all things. Or in other words, everything is in some way a part of God. And consequently, something divine can be found in everything. So it's not that everything is God. That's not the viewpoint here. It's that everything has a part of God in it. Um, Pantheism and panentheism are similar. Both have the root in the word pan in them, meaning everything. Further, both have theism, which means a doctrine about God. The difference is that panentheism has the en in it, which means in. So panentheism is a distinct doctrine developed as a way to discuss how God is in every part of the world without giving up the distinct identities of both God and the world. So the difference really is in panentheism, it, God is in is part in it. There's part of God in it. Where pantheism, just God's, God's in everything. God's in the chair, God's the chair, God's the table, God's the cow, God's the person, God's the star, he's the flower. You know, God, that's the difference there. So then Brett asked a good question. He asked about, well, where does humanism fit into this? Because humanism is a philosophy we are dealing with a ton in this day and age. So when, when we break down the major world views, all of them have some view of God except for a, the atheist view. We, we obviously saw, said that believes there is no God. So humanism, and I think jo, Joe mentioned hedonism and those things, those are, those are, are kind of, they're worldviews that have been around for a long time, but they're, they're things we're dealing with now, now more today, but those all don't believe in a God. So, but to define human, and we're going to spend a little bit more time in humanism later, but I, I thought it was interesting. I was digging some, and I actually found uh, this, this thing, this, this website, of a definition of, of humanism by all these different humanistic groups. And I thought it was really interesting to read what they have to say in their own words. So we have the American Humanist Association. So that's the big umbrella. So then there's other groups underneath here, but then they go back and say, the only definition we accept is the definition we give. thought that was interesting. <laughs> but, uh, so here is their definition of humanism. Humanism, and right away you can tell there's problems with this. Humanism is a progressive philosophy of life. So that, that should send a red flag up right away. As soon as you hear the word progressive, a progressive philosophy of life without theism or other supernatural beliefs affirms our ability and responsibility to lead ethical lives of personal fulfillment that aspire to the greater good. So in other words, it's, it's a progressive philosophy that says there's no God involved in it. We just should live, we should live good lives. So see, my immediate first question would be then, who defines what a good life is? Because if you don't have God in his word, who who makes that definition? And obviously that's a problem with a humanistic philosophy because everybody wants their definition of what it means to live a good life. Um, So, but a couple of the other definitions I thought were interesting as well. So the Humanist Magazine says this, that it's an expansion of the open society standing for human rights and social justice. 
free of supernaturalism. There's no God again. Uh, it recognizes human beings as part of nature and holds that the values, be they religious, ethical, social, or political, have their source in human experience and culture. So we don't have our source in biblical history. We have our source in culture and things like that. Yeah, yeah, right. There's, yeah, there's no good guy. There's no bad guy. There's nothing. You know, there's no God, no devil, no Satan. Humanism thus derives the goals of life from human need and interest rather than from theological or ideological abstractions and asserts that humanity must take responsibility for its own destiny. So again, there's the human, humanism thus derives its goals of life from human need and interest. Well, what I think is my need and my interest could be far de- different than what Jason thinks is his need and his interest. My need may say, I need Jason's truck. So I just go take his truck. No, yeah, no, they'll try yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. But, uh, but right, you know, my need may say, I really need his truck for something. And, uh, you know, and, and so because, okay, so that's the Humanist Magazine. Humanist International, here's what they have to say, um, that human beings have the right and responsibility to give meaning and to shape their own lives. Interesting. So it's not that we should trust God to help shape our lives and follow him, but that we should shape our life. Um, the Humanist Society of Western New York. Here's what they say. I thought this was interesting. A joyous alternative to religions that believe in a supernatural God and life in a hereafter. Humanists believe that this is the only life of which we have certain knowledge and that we owe it to ourselves and others to make the Make it the best life possible for ourselves and all with whom we share this fragile planet. So uh, anyway, so yeah, they're a joyous alternative to religions. Um, let's see, who wrote this one? Uh, somebody named Beck Chambers, former president of the, um, of the society that gave the definition. Here's what he put. He put, all human life must seek a reason for existence within the bounds of an uncaring physical world. And it is love coupled with empathy, democracy, and commitment to selfless service which undergirds the faith of a humanist. So they actually use the, he actually uses the word faith in his definition, the faith of a humanist. I thought that was interesting. Um, and then the last one is, let's see, who wrote this last one? Uh, so I don't know who this guy is. Somebody named jo- Joseph C. Uh, Summer, but he wrote a couple of things. Human is a philosophy of life that considers the welfare of humankind rather than the welfare of a supposed God or gods. To be of paramount importance. Humanism maintains that there is no evidence of a a supernatural power ever needed or wanted anything from people, ever communicated to them, or ever interfered with the laws of nature to assist or harm anyone. We only have all of our laws of the land from the Bible, but that's beside the point. Um, And then he says, because science cannot now and probably never will be able to explain the ultimate origin or, or, or destiny of the universe. This is what I thought was interesting, because he says, science is never going to be able to explain it. Because what what does the evolutionist say? Science can't explain it. He's saying science can't explain it, but here's what he says. I think humanism can include more than atheists and agnostics. The lack of definite answers to these ultimate questions leaves room for reasonable people to hypothesize about the origin of the natural universe and even to hope for some form of life beyond this one. So it's like, in one hand, he's saying there is no God, there's no supernatural, there's no nothing, but maybe we can hypothesize and hope for it. I thought that was interesting. So, all right, so that's a little cleanup from last week. Now let's go back to our biblical review sheet we, had, we worked on last week. The, the, uh, bottom, the bottom section of that sheet, a uh, contrast between a biblical worldview and a secular worldview. Now, all these other worldviews 
in some way, shape, or form fall under a secular worldview. But there is basically just a secular worldview that looks at life not how God would look at it, but opposite of how God would look at it. So I just want to fill in this block, and, and we this block could be pages long, but I just want to give you a few a few of them to to get us thinking and understanding the difference between a biblical worldview, God's view, and a secular worldview, man's view. So first one, uh, God's view is that we are here to glorify God. We are here to glorify. God. That's the that's God's view. Man's view, the secular view, is we are here to glorify self. You heard that a lot in the in the humanist worldview. I mean, it's all about making life better for me and everybody else on, on this earth. You know, so it's it's glorifying self. Um, God's view says we ought to live life in holiness. Be holy. Why? For I am holy. That's how we're supposed to strive to live our life. The secular view would say. A life of happiness. Whatever makes me happy, because it's all about me anyway, it's not about God, so it's happiness. God's view is there is absolute truth. Now, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, down the road as well. The secular view says everything is relative. So, it, when it comes to God's view, a biblical worldview, we believe in absolute truth. Two plus two is four, folks. I don't care how you try to say it otherwise. You can tell me a two plus two is five, but you're wrong. It's not five. And, uh, but, but there are worldviews out there today who, who honestly say in a school setting, if a student says two plus two is five, you can't mark it wrong because in their worldview, it's right. There's, that philosophy is in education today. You can't mark it wrong because they may have a reason for believing that two plus two equals five. Because everything in their world is relative. There is no absolute truth. Now, we're going to come. I'm just giving these real quick. We're going to come back around to some of these because there's huge impacts of these things. I'll go to Breton and to Patrick. I've, I've just been, I've had many people kind of defend their perspective with that's your truth. Yeah, that's your truth. As in, there could be more than one truth. And it, it is completely evasive of reality. Yeah, that's relative. My, I have my truth, you have your truth, Patrick has his truth. But what happens when our truths collide? That's the problem with, with relativism. Patrick? I had a discussion with people once uh, years ago, and they, they believed two and two was four, but they didn't believe there was absolute truth in, in, in spiritual things. Right. But that's so they believe, they believe in some absolute truths, but not all absolute truths. Right, but I guess now two and two can be five, so that's changed. Yeah. 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 A lot of people believe there's no absolute truth anywhere. I mean, you know, I I would love to challenge one of those people. Well, then let's cut your paycheck in half if there's no absolute truth, because you're going to really quickly believe in absolute truth. If if your employer offered to pay you twenty dollars an hour and you only get paid ten dollars an hour, you're going to believe in an absolute truth of twenty dollars an hour. Right. Everybody would argue for that. But that, but see, that's where it gets them because there is absolute truth, and, it, and not just in numbers, but in other things as well. All right, next one: Emo, uh, God's view, emotion is a byproduct, and then in the secular worldview, emotion is foundational. Now, let's talk about what does that mean. As a believer, I can show emotion. I sat in my office today and I listened to a to a beautiful song written about. 35 years ago uh, about when we see Jesus face to face. And, and I'm, I'm be just flat honest, folks. I sat in my office crying listening to that song. 
Because I, the whole time I was listening to that song, I'm thinking about the day we get to see Jesus face to face. And, and it was emotional. That is a byproduct of what God has done in my life. God saved me. I get to spend eternity with him. The byproduct of that is I show some emotion about that. But, but in the secular worldview, emotion is foundational. What do, what do we see happening all over our society today? There's people with a lot of emotion, isn't there? People with a lot of passion about things. Now, many of the things they're passionate about are wrong, but they're passionate, aren't they? Watch the news. Watch anything of controversy. There's going to be people there that are extremely emotional and passionate. It's just many times they're emotional and passionate about the wrong things. Uh, God's worldview. Back to the, back to the list. God's, God's view. Uh, there is personal sin. There's personal sin. I am a sinner. You're a sinner. Secular worldview is it's other people's fault. It's not my problem. It's other people's fault. I, I love, <laughs> I, I, there's a lot of teachers in our family. So there's a lot of discussions at our household about things that happen in school. And, and, and I, I, just, I just love, Lisa's teaching kindergarten this year. And I cannot believe how much kindergartners push the blame to somebody else. They've already been trained to explain it away. And then she tells me some of the comments the parents make, and I'm like, it's no wonder the kids can explain their behavior away because the parent can explain their behavior away. I mean, it's absolutely, some of it's just just absolutely ridiculous, but that's where society is, folks. There's no personal responsibility. It's somebody else's fault. Yeah. Based on what my son used to do a lot of soul winning, people do, when you talk to them, believe that they have sin personal sin, but not when the rubber meets the road. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, they believe it to an extent, but not when it comes to, yeah, exactly, sure. Um, back to the chart, God's, God's view, uh, man needs forgiveness, and then the secular view is man is best. Like, man is it. He's arrived. There, there's, a, there's a lot of viewpoint out here in the world today that says man is basically good, and then society, what happens to him in his life in society makes him bad. Now that's completely opposite of what God says. God says man is basically bad and when he needs a savior. And and so that's an opposite philosophy of that, Brother Brian. What was the man's view? Oh, man's view is man is best. God's view is man needs forgiveness for his sins. Man's view is man is best. And then the final one, and boy, we understand this one today. God's view is man needs to repent. The secular world view is a word we hear every day of our lives now, tolerance. Tolerance. It's interesting how the people who cry for tolerance the most are the people who tolerate the least, if you've ever noticed that. They want you to be tolerant of everything except for what you actually believe. What you and I believe as a Christian is we can't be tolerant of. Just this, just this uh, I guess, a week and a half ago, it was discovered that, was it the DOJ? I think it was the DOJ. Have people that have, they are on their payroll that have now infiltrated the Catholic Church to hear what priests are teaching. It was the FBI. I couldn't remember if it was the FBI or DOJ. So they, so they have actually got people 
which they denied, of course. Uh, but then it was found out through a leaked memo that it did happen. There are people on their payroll that have been paid to infiltrate the Catholic Church to see what the priests are teaching in some of these larger Catholic parishes um, or whatever. Now, certainly we have different viewpoints in the Catholics on some things. But, but folks, that's, that's a huge red flag. That's coming our way. It's coming our way. And uh, it's just like our missionary in Canada, Brother Getty, when they showed up outside their church with video cameras to see who was coming to church during COVID and videotaped who was coming to church during COVID. I mean, it's scary. And that just came out this this last week. So so these are some of the the overarching just differences between God's view and a secular view. Patrick. On the last one, tolerance slash try to be good. Yeah, try, try to be good. Yeah, maybe. But tolerance is the main thing there, yeah. All right, so that's done with this sheet. Now switch to this sheet. Yeah, Brother Brad. I was just going to say that it's, it's, it's going away from tolerance to you have to agree with <coughs> Right, yeah. Well, their version of tolerance is if you have any different opinion, you're wrong. And you have, you must agree to my view of tolerance. Criminal if you, if right. You don't, if you don't accept the way <coughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, definitely. So let's uh, turn to the next sheet, Ephesians chapter two. Just look. Let's look over Ephesians chapter two for just a minute. I've just got one phrase pulled out of there, but Ephesians chapter two, verses nineteen to twenty-two. Ephesians two nineteen to twenty-two says this: It says, "Now therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets." Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the spirit. And so as we get into what really makes a biblical worldview, we have to understand where it starts. It starts with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That, if we're going to have a biblical worldview, we have to start there. That's where we have to start. And that is not, that is not something that is negotiable. We can't negotiate that away. We can't say, okay, well, if you don't quite believe that, it's okay. Just kind of believe this. No, no. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. It is all about Him. And if we're going to have a biblical worldview, we have to have that. And be dogmatic about that and not shift from that. So when it comes to God and, 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 and some basic tenets of a secular worldview. Now we just finished that other list. But let me just give you some basic tenets of a secular worldview. Um, and then let's, I want us to just discuss for a minute where there's problems with this. Okay, so here are the three basic tenets of a secular worldview. The secular worldview takes God out of history, denies his absolutes. So we already talked a little bit about absolutes, but takes God out of history, denies his absolutes, and insists that man knows better than God. So God out of history, denies his absolutes, insists that man knows better than God. So what's wrong with those viewpoints? Let's just talk about that for a minute. What, pick one of those and tell me, what's the problem with that viewpoint? The first one is uh, takes God out of history. They all, they all talk about God. I mean, they talk about God. Right. The atheist is offended by God, even though he doesn't believe in God. <laughs> but he somehow still is offended by God. Um, 
But yeah, but they take, they take God out of history, denies absolute, and insists that man knows better than God. So what are some of the problems with that, Maxine? Yeah, well, if you don't talk about it, you repeat it. And, you, and you, how do you take God out? If you take God out of history, what did you just take away? Creation. Creation. If God is not involved in history, then you just took God out of creation. So now you don't have to explain away the creation story because God's out of history. So God didn't create the world in which we live in. So you've just, you very quickly <clears throat> in one fell swoop have, have taken God out of creation. And folks, quite honestly, if we don't have creation, we're wasting our time. We're wasting our time. Because the, the only reason that God can redeem fallen man is because God created fallen man. Well, I created man and then man fell. But I, you, you understand what I'm saying. The only reason that, that, that we can have that is, is if we have a creator. And so you take God out of history and you've, you've taken creation out. What about denies his absolutes? So, so where, does that, where does that become a problem? Okay, yeah. So what's God's absolute truth? I am Jesus Christ. Yeah. We did, does away with right and wrong? What about when Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That is an absolute truth. Nobody in this world will spend a moment in heaven apart from through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is an absolute truth. If you take away absolute truth, then you've taken away what's good and what's evil. Because everybody can have something different so you've taken away so you've taken away absolutes how how do how, how do we then how do we how do we live in a non-chaotic society well see folks this is part of the problem we're having right now look at the cities around our country that are in chaos the city of chicago where i grew up do you see that thing on the news where all those teenagers just ran through the city riding through the city breaking windows uh, harming tourists Hitting them inside, like a hundred teenagers ramp it through the city. And what does the mayor say? Well, no, it wasn't even a protest. He was basically just saying we should be careful not to judge too harshly and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, there's the tolerant thing. Yeah. And uh, so, so what about the person who got hit by them? Or what about the person whose car windows got broken by them? Or what about the person whose business windows got shattered by them? See, see they're not allowed to have their their version of truth because, because somebody has decided that there is no absolute truth, so we need to be kind and gracious. What needed to happen was all hundred of those teenagers ought to have been in jail that day. That would have taken care of that kind of thing if they'd start doing that. Yes? You know, the, a lot of folks don't really understand just how close all this stuff is really. I mean, oh, yeah. right here. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm just using Chicago's yeah. example because that was a big example on the news. But, yeah, we got stuff all around us. Yeah. It doesn't matter if they're underage and walking out with a bottle of liquor, yeah. which they now have in the stores. Yeah. Um, they, they, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, and, that, and this is the problem when you do away with absolutes. It, you, you come to total chaos. I was just thinking, uh, well, there's another absolute, and a lot of people try to deny it, is the fact that Jesus is God. Right. Because a lot of the cults, that's one thing. Right. You know, when they come to your door, that's one thing. 
Yeah, they're good with God, but but as soon as Jesus is in the picture, there's a, there's an issue. Award ceremonies or any kind of you know government ceremonies, you can say God but you can't say Jesus. Right. Yeah, yeah, very true, Joe. It's just like when you go back, adding on Jim's point, when you go back to the to major world views, if you look at the top, that if you add humanism as eight, there's only one world view that's being attacked, and that's theism. Right. And it's the theism that only, that, that really only and it's only a part of theism because there's stuff in theism like we talked about, like Islam, that really is nothing like us. But right, 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 exactly. Right, right. 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 And that's because that's because to a sinful world, Jesus is offensive. They are offended if you follow Jesus because because in following him, you're keep you're keeping to a worldview that has absolutes in it and things like that. And it has responsibility. Brother Brett. Going off what Joe said, Christianity is the, is the one that's required to change. Right. Like, they don't expect Islam to change. Right. They don't expect them to bend. Right. They expect Christians to give place, to be tolerant, to live and let right. live, but, but, but other religions. Right, and there's the tolerant thing again, but then the tolerant thing, I mean, it, 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 it doesn't work because they're never tolerant in, in return of anything. And it's just like the bumper sticker that, you know, I've talked about this many times, the coexist bumper sticker. That is a joke, folks. I mean, it's just a joke. There's religions on there that want to kill you and I. Yeah. Islam does not want Christians on this earth. So we, are, we can't coexist with somebody who wants to eliminate me, who wants to kill me. I mean, that's what they want to do. If I'm a Christian, they want me gone. So how, how am I supposed to go? But I'm the one that's supposed to change for them. And, uh, and that's just, you know, that's the problem. Well, and, you know, we're told to love your neighbor and to love your enemy. And so we're told to yeah. coexist. We're told to tolerate but we, we can't tolerate on the truth. Right. Can't, you can't change your doctrine. You love people and try to love them yeah. to the Lord, but you can't change your doctrinal stance in order to meet what they will make them happy. But that's what they want. But that's what they want. Exactly. Yes. I what this gentleman was saying about Jesus. I'm going to shorten this up. Harvey says he is the express image of his person. Okay. Whereas, take the word image, express image, and use imagination. God made in your own image. So I'm just using the word... Ex- yeah, just that people are people are twisting that to, to a God made in their image. His expression, right. image of this person. Yeah, Lord. Yeah. You can make up... Right. The world, the world says, let me find, let me find the God within. Let me, you know, and, and there's been things, listen, there, there have been things. Well, there's, oh, we could go there all night. <laughs> I was going to jump into the education thing for a minute, but I might steer clear of that right now. So we can cover a little more ground tonight, but, uh, but we'll talk about these things. But the, this is why there's such a, a variation here in things in this world and why there's so much chaos today because the worldviews that don't have absolute truth, you are going to end up in chaos. There's no other way around it. There is no way around If you do not have absolute truths, there is no way you're not going to be chaotic. Why? Take a car, for example. All those parts in the engine, they have to meet certain specifications 
for your car to run properly. So what if the guy, well, I might believe this about my truck. I was going to say, what if the guy down at Ford, what if the guy down at Ford one day said, you know, I don't, I don't want to make those pistons this size. I'm going to make them this size instead because that's what I believe they should be. And, and, the, and the guy that's working on the, uh, you know, on some other part of the car, he says, I don't believe this. I'm, I'm going I'm to do this. And, and the, the guy sitting there that's putting the oil in says, you know, it calls for this oil, but I really think this oil is better. And so I'm going to throw that in there. And then you get your car and what happens? It runs like garbage. Why? Because somebody didn't follow absolutes. Now, that's a silly, silly example. But folks, that's not too far off. <laughs> I'm just saying, that's not too far off of where we live today. Because in so many other areas, that's already true. And they don't get challenged in the areas that it's not true yet, but what if it were true? See, they can't, they can't you know, let's go back to the paycheck thing again. If, you, if you're working for $20 an hour, and suddenly I'm paying you $10 an hour, you're going to have a real problem. Even if you don't believe in absolute truth, because suddenly you're going to say, my paycheck's cut in half. Well, it's not really half because there's no absolute truth. So maybe it's cutting a third. I don't know. You know, but right. I mean, you know, really, right. You're going to have a problem suddenly. You're going to suddenly be very interested in absolute values when somebody takes a part of your paycheck they shouldn't take. But then in all these other areas, you can live without absolute values. So, all right, let's jump. We could talk all night here, but let's try to jump into this next chart just for a little bit tonight. Um. So let me just give you a quote, and, and, and so he, let me just say this as we as we get into this part, we may not even get to this chart tonight. I'm, I'm feeling a brother Brett moment. <laughs> we may not even get to this chart tonight. Uh, anyway, um, but but as we look at biblical worldview, we have to ask ourselves, where is the problem? What what has gotten us to this point? Well. Part of what has gotten us to this point is that the church, I'm using the church now in church like different churches across the world, the church has moved away from a biblical worldview. And, and folks, I, I, I'm just here to tell you, it is far deeper than I think we even understand. I read articles every single week of pastors, people that we could all name because we see them in the news. And they say stuff that I just sit there and go, do you even open your Bible? I mean, they, I just can't believe what comes out of some of these guys' mouths that are supposed to be religious leaders of our day and are supposed to be the good religious leaders of our day. And I'm telling you, folks, they are as woke as can be. And, and and it is deeper and deeper all the time. It used to be we looked at it as, oh, well, uh, that other denomination over there, they got the problems. They're the ones that are woke. They're the ones that have all the misthinking. Uh, you know, I'm glad it's not us. Well, folks, it's us. It's here. It, it is us. Brother Brad. I was going to say, it was, it was years ago, it was like 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, that the Southern Baptist Convention could not agree on the infallibility yeah, and look what look what's happened since then. They're as woke as can be now. I mean, they're just. I mean, they got people who are are pro LGBTQ. They got. I mean, they these and these are the people that are writing their books, and you know, and so it has changed dramatically. Okay, with that being said, let me give you a quote here. 
The quote says this. It's by Albert Moeller. It says this. The decline of Christian identity is particularly pronounced among younger Americans and fully one third of those aged 35 and younger report no religious affiliation. So where I'm heading with all this, folks, is this. Where, where is the problem? The problem is that our faith is not being passed down to the generations that follow us as it should. It's not happening. And next week, we're going to, next week we'll start out with this chart. We'll get into this chart and we're going to look at some statistics from a very recent Gallup poll about the percentage of those believing in God. Matter of fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run down. I'm going to give you this first chart, those percentages real quickly since we got three minutes left. I'm going to give you those because I want you to look at that list during this week and think about what, what are the takeaways from this list? Because there are some big takeaways. So let me give you the, let me give you the, the list. Here we go. Men, uh, we're looking at 2013 to 2017 as a, as a uh, average, and then 2022. So I'm going to go sideways across the chart. So men... Um, 83%, 80%. So 83 down to 80. Women, going across the chart. Women, 80, uh, excuse me, 90% down to 83%. 90 down to 83. 65 plus, 90 down to 87. So going across again, 90, 87. 50 to 64, 93, 89. 30 to 49, 86, 81, 18 to 29, 78, 68, college graduate, 83, 78, non-college, 89, 84. Okay, now you take those numbers home this week and digest them for a few minutes and next week, the very first thing we're going to do when we come in here is we are going to look at the first thing. Uh, well, we're going to look at one more chart. And then we're going to look at what are the takeaways from these two charts. Now, we're not going to get the other chart till next week. But what, what are, when you look at those numbers, there should immediately be some things that you should say, ah, I see this, I see this, I see this in these numbers. So that's what I want us to think about because we have to understand why is a biblical worldview taking such a beating today? Why is that? What is causing that? Where is that coming from? Now, it's not coming from just one place, mind you. It's coming from a lot of places. But what is it? What, what do those numbers tell us is part of the problem? And we're gonna, we'll look at that next week when we, when we start things out um, in the next lesson. So let's have... Oh, yeah, Joyce. <laughs> okay. So if you can help with a with a meal for the gentry, see uh Yeah, we don't want that. Okay. So if you can help see Joyce at the end and uh we'll see if we can get that squared away. All right, folks, listen, it's I I've enjoyed this. I hope I hope this is informative and we we've got a we've got a lot of ground to cover, let me tell you. And uh 
We could spend a long, long time on each of these points. We've got to keep moving. But uh, you look at that chart and you, you think about what you think are the takeaways from that chart. I've listed four on my sheet. That's why there are, there's four listed on your sheet of uh, blanks. Because I think I see four really clear takeaways from that chart that I think are, are very important. So, All right, let's have a word of prayer and uh, we will be dismissed. Lord, thank you for the day, for your blessings. Lord, thank you for the time that we have to just share uh, thoughts. Lord, spend some time together in Bible study and be able to interact with each other. And Lord, we pray that you would just guide and direct as we look at this very serious issue of biblical worldview. And Lord, we, we want to be the type of people that you want us to be in this world. And we want to live with a biblical worldview. And so, Lord, I pray that over the days and weeks to come that you would guide and direct our, our discussions and our study. And Lord, just help us. Uh, to be the type of believers we should be. Lord, I pray to take each one of us home safe this evening. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm running out of time. Well, yeah. You just said it, it's hard to time you to people talking back. Yeah.